We just finished a series, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 1 or 4 down to verse 11. And we taught that series on the administration of the Spirit, which is the administration of grace. Now we move to a, another part of the service called the administration, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what we name in this teaching. Say the ministry, the ministry of, the Holy Spirit. of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now we're going to get into that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse number 12, we're going to start reading verse 12. We're going to read that down to verse 18. When you get there, say amen. amen. Now let's read that together. Seeing then that we have searched hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses was put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remained the same veil untaken away, in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even until this day, when Moses read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, let's pray. Father, we thank you now for your eternal word, and we give you all the praise and all the glory for our salvation. Thank you for saving us, delivering us, and setting us free. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us your grace, your mercy, your love, your truth. We bless you, we praise you, we appreciate you, Father, for you have given us all things in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for sending your Son here, Lord, and making sure that our sin was paid for, and you have given us the victory, and you have destroyed principalities and powers, made us sure of them openly, triumphed over them in it, and gave us your victory. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus, help us to understand the new covenant, and help us to understand that we are in the dispensation of grace now, and we are in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus, and through your precious blood, we give you praise and all degree that press it. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. We are teaching the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We did three separate teachings for 9 and 11 o'clock services in the first part of the teaching, and we did the part one with the Lord of that Spirit. Then we went from the Lord of that Spirit to, Lord, take away my veil. Then we went from Lord, take away my veil to, 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 uh, uh, when the veil is taken away. Now, since we have done that, when the veil is taken away, now we're able to get to verse 12, seeing. You're not going to be able to see until the veil is taken away. Say that with me. You're not going to be able to see until the veil is taken away. Right. Now, the veil is those natural things uh, that we use in churches and but those veils keeps us from seeing. Let's, let's go to one that, that Paul talked about, and let's go to it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 15. And this one he's talked about was circumcision. So it doesn't make any difference was it circumcision, foot washing, 
communion, what we call Holy Communion, which is Passover. All those things have been done away because Christ fulfilled them. Now, we gave you about uh, seven words this morning to give you the definition of the word abolish because I'm talking about seeing the end of that which is abolished. Say that with me. Seeing the end end. of that which is abolished. All right. Now, uh, not everybody can see the end of that which is abolished. Israel could not see it. Amen. Israel could not see it. All right. Now, what I need you to do, you put down the word abolish. Here, here are the definitions. Here are the definition for the word abolish on the screen. Number one, put an end to. So when something been abolished, what happened? They put an end to. Number two, make void. Make void. Number three, to destroy. to destroy. Number four, to fulfill. To fulfill. Number five, complete. to complete. Number six, finish. to finish. And number seven, done away. Now, when, when all of this was happened, that's what happened. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, that's what you got to understand. Now, all of those words give you the word abolish. So that's what I'm talking about today. My message today has says, seeing the end of that which is abolished. Now, if I'm going to see the end of that which is abolished, then those things I can't use in the church no more. Why? Because they've been abolished. They've been done away. They've been fulfilled. So if Christ came here and that was his work to do that, why am I still doing it in the church? I don't know. I know when I did it, I didn't know. And what it would do was keep us from getting the word of God. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 15, 16, 17, 18. I want to read a few of those verses out of the King James, then I'm going to read them again, out of the good news. Same thing. Because I want you to understand what it says. Watch what happened when I allow you to be water baptized in the church. Watch what happened when I say it's okay to water baptize in the church. The point is, what does it have to do with your salvation? That's what you got to understand. But see, I... Being 40 years ministry, been ministry now for 40 years, pastoring 34 years, I had to learn this. And then once you, God showed it to you, then you got to take it away, then people don't think you got good sense. Then some people really think you're crazy because that's all the church got is communion. You take away everything the church got. No, the church got the word. Amen. But we want religion, traditional men. And that's, that's what I'm going to show you what it's going to do right here. Paul said, lest any should say that I baptize my own name. Now he says in verse number 16, and I baptize also the household of Stephanus, and besides, I know not whether I baptize any. Now you're talking about the man who gave you the New Testament. Then he said, Christ sent me not to baptize. See, this is the new covenant. See, this is not the book of Acts. A lot of people go to the book of Acts and say you're in a new covenant. You're not in a new covenant until you get the Romans. The, new, the, book of, the book of Acts is a transition book that transitions you from law to grace. Or from Peter, Peter, James, and John, they're going to fade out in chapter 10, 11, and then you're going to go into Paul's ministry. See, it's a transition. It's not the doctrine. The doctrine doesn't start to the book of Romans. 
So that's why when you see this verse, Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize. Now remember, if I go back to John the Baptist, Christ sent him to baptize. Matter of fact, he baptized Jesus Christ. But he sent Paul not to baptize, but he, said, he sent me to preach the gospel. So now remember, he's going he gonna to tell him in Acts 26 what he's supposed to be doing. And then I'm showing you, he sent him to preach the gospel. That's what the gospel does. We go to Acts 26, 18 next. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross, that's what Paul preached, the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, we'll see what that means in just a moment, but let's keep reading. Then he said, the preacher of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but on us which I say. The preacher of the cross is the power of God. So see, the thing about it is, there'll be no power in the church if you don't preach the cross. You preach water baptism, you take away the power. That's why you got a lot of religion in, in churches, but they glory in water baptism. They glory in all this other stuff. Had nothing to do with your salvation. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now let's move on. Let's show you another verse right there. No one... All right, let, go to verse 16. I'm not going to read that. No, verse 16. Oh, yeah, I'm reading this now the good news. He said, oh, yeah, I also baptized Stephanus and his family, but I can't remember whether I baptized anyone else. Now, you tell me, if Christ sent you to, to be saved, this man here surely would baptize you, wouldn't he? If he's supposed to be getting you saved. I mean, if I was supposed to be getting you saved, wouldn't I baptize you? But see, that's not the New Testament. Watch what happened, what Paul told you what happened here. He says, for Christ sent me not to baptize. For Christ sent me not to baptize. Watch what Christ sent me to do. Christ sent me not to baptize. But to tell the good news and to tell it without using the language of human wisdom in order to make sure that Christ's death, watch what happened, Christ's death on the cross is not robbed of his power. So what happened when I water baptized? I'm robbing the cross of his power. What, what does that mean? It's just like you're taking the power and separating it in different pieces. You're giving some glory to water baptism. You're giving some glory to foot washing. You're giving some glory to Passover or communion. See, what happens is when you get through the cross, you don't have any power anymore. Because you don't have power until there's singleness, unity, one. Amen? All right. So that's why I want to read that verse. Now, let's go over and see what Paul's mission is. And then you'll know why he said Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, which is the power of God. Paul's ministry in Acts 26, 18 is to open their eyes. Well, you can't open nobody's eyes with water baptism. See, if you, if you just listen to the word, you know you got to be wrong, but somebody have to tell you. Open their eyes. Then he said, turn them from darkness. We, if you're going to turn them from darkness, that's the, that's the power of Satan. One of the things, ignorance. But we're going to show you another power, saying, turn them from darkness. Darkness is ignorance, lack of knowledge. Because you're going to turn them to light, which is God's knowledge. And then it said, from the power of Satan. Now, I want you to underline that word, the power of Satan, because I'm going to show you today what the power of Satan is. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you what it is in ahead of time. It's sin. So you want to put down the power of Satan right there is sins in your Bible. So you will know from now on when the Bible said, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan, what's the power of Satan? 
I'm going to show you sin. And that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified. All right? By faith that's in me. So I want, today I want to go into that. Now let's go to Romans 10. We're going to read Romans 10 out of the Living Bible, if you can do that back there today. Romans 10, 1 through 4. Let's do that out of the Living Bible. I did that this morning. Uh, we got, we're able to translate now. Help you understand. That's all that does is help you understand. All right. Now, dear brother, this is what Paul said about Israel. The longer of my heart and my prayer is that the Jewish people might be saved. Well, wait a minute. They still wasn't saved? No. Well, they got baptized by John the Baptist. They still wasn't saved. See, the key is people think that's what saved. That's what saved you while they weren't saved. So here's Paul, who wrote the New Covenant, say his prayer to God was that Israel might be saved. Then he said, now I know what enthusiasm they have for the honor of God. I mean, they are very zealous for the word of God. But it is misdirected zeal. Then he says, for they don't understand that Christ has died to make them right with God. Why did Christ die? To make you right with God. Now, if Christ died to make you right with God, then what are you doing when you're taking communion? People think you're getting right with God. See, people think if I don't take communion, I'm not right with God. No, you don't get right with God. Christ died so you get right with God. Amen. See, you got to just hear what the Bible says. Put that up there again. It says, for they don't understand that Christ has died to make them right with God. Instead, they are trying to make them say I'm good enough to gain God's favor by keeping Jewish laws, which was communion. Baptism is a Jewish law. Communion is a Jewish law. I'm going to show it to you today in the Word. And customs. But that, but that is not God's way of salvation. Look at verse 4. They don't understand. Now this is what Paul talking about the Jews, why they wouldn't say. They don't understand that Christ gives to those who trust in him everything they are trying to get by keeping the law. Christ gives them everything they're going to need if they just trust in him and not trying to get them by keeping his laws. And watch what he said about his laws, the end of all that. So Christ put an end to all of that. So that's why when you teach Passover, you have to understand that it's not an act at the altar of putting bread and wine and giving it to the people. That's not Passover no more. And the over here with Moses, that was keeping the Passover. But in the new covenant, Christ is a Passover. See, let's show it to you that. 1 Corinthians 15, 7. So you have to know that. If you, so you are a minister, you ought to be grateful that you're able to go to a ministry and get taught the truth because if not, you'll be taught what's wrong. This is your salvation. I'm not just giving you something. What you're being taught is your salvation. You live by what you learn. So if I allowed you to keep doing that in here, knowing it's wrong, I would have kept a lot of members, but I would have told you a lie. See, I refuse to keep you as a member and lie and realize that your soul could be lost because of what I'm telling you 
And I wouldn't tell you the truth because I know you're going to leave me. I'd rather for you to leave me and I go on about God's business and you find out later on that that pastor was right than to find out that I lied. So I'm going to tell you what the words say. This is my 40th year of ministry, 35 in pastoring this year. All right, let's keep going. Now, it says, moreover, brothers. Is that what I asked for? 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians, no. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. That's what I asked for. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. I told you Christ is your Passover. See, Passover is not an act that you do at the altar by fixing bread and wine and give it to the people. See, that came out of religion tradition of men. That's not what it is. The fulfillment of it is, is Christ's death, death, and resurrection. Now watch this. Purge out therefore the old leaven. This is what Paul said to the church of Corinth, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. See, he's talking to the people, not the bread on the table. <laughs> as you are unleavened. See, the bread is the people now. Old Testament was the bread on the table. That's why you had the bread and the wine. The blood was Christ. That's your redemption. That's why the bread and the wine went together. The people in the, in the wine went together. Christ's death, being resurrection. Now you the body of Christ. Purge out therefore your old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. You unleavened? Yeah, you the bread. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So your Passover is not eating bread on the table. Your Passover is who Christ is. Now, in, when that was done in the Old Covenant, that was the Passover. When they left out of Israel, left out of Egypt, they put the blood of the doorpost, and they put the blood over the doorpost, and then they ate the bread inside the house, or they ate the lamb. The word bread means meat. Or they ate the lamb in the house. That was their Passover. But that was fulfilled in Christ. Christ is the end. Now put King James up there, Romans 10, 4. So the law ended when Christ came. You don't have all this stuff no more in churches. Foot washing, water baptism, circumcision. Well, ain't nobody going to do the circumcision, so they let the doctor do that. <laughs> Praise God. But the preacher do the rest of them in the church. Christ is the end of the law. Now, what is the word law? See, Christ is the end of the law for trying to get right with God. For righteousness to everyone that believe. That's what you got to do now is believe. So you don't do nothing. Now, let, let's go on to Romans eleven six. See, Romans eleven six told me what the law is. The difference in law and grace. Romans eleven six is a good illustration. The difference in law and grace, the word law means works. So when I do something in the church, works, like foot washing, water baptism, circumcision, uh, communion. When I do that, that's works. And then I got to tell the people, when you get water baptized, God wash away your sin. That's what they told Paul. Paul was deceived. Paul said it, I was deceived. Because Ananias told him how he was deceived. He was deceived because 
They told him, wash away your sins with water baptism. And that's what people are telling people today. And they're falling for it. See, that's what hurts. Because one day those people are going to find out. I hope, hope and I pray they find out before they die that you lied to them. See, I, I'm not going to do that to you. As much as truth as God give me. Romans 11, 6 says, if it by grace, there is no more works. Once you get into grace, there's no more works. Because if you get into work, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be a work, it's no more grace. You cannot have grace and works. Now, grace means what God did for you. Works is what you did for yourself. See, the old covenant, everybody did what they want to do themselves. In the new covenant, Christ did everything for you. That's why the new covenant, when you read the New Testament, everything is in the past tense. You read the old covenant, everything is in the future tense, shell. That's why you don't have future tense. That's why people right now looking for the Lord, you're in the wrong covenant. You can't be looking for the Lord in the new covenant because that's prophecy. And this is not prophecy. All right, let's move on. Now, I want to get into some things right now. Let's go to uh, Ephesians 2. We left off this morning one verse, and that's verse 15. Ephesians 2, 15. These are things that God got rid of for you. I told you to write down four things that I'm going to show you that God got rid of. Number one, the law. Let's move on. Here it is. Once again, he's showing you here. Romans 10, I showed you Christ at the end of the law. Now here in, in, in uh, uh, Ephesians 2, 15, this is what he did. He abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments. The thing that you calling communion was the law of commandments. They were the ordinances that the people telling you there's two ordinances in the church water baptism and communion well how did they get in the church how did they get in the church they got in the church because that's what you allowed having abolished in the flesh the enmity even the law of commandments even the law of commandments that's what he did he abolished in the flesh he abolished in the flesh what? The law. The, uh, the, law, the law was the commandment, the ordinances. So you got to understand what an ordinance is. Communion is an ordinance. An ordinance is water baptism. That's an ordinance. Foot washing is an ordinance. Circumcision was an ordinance. See, it means you're doing something to get God's favor. You're doing something to please God. And they're called ordinances. And yet people tell you there are two ordinances in the church. This remains because that's what they want to do. They know if they take it away, the people are going to leave the church. But God already took it away. The ordinances. That was Ephesians 2.15. All right, now let's go to our today's teaching because I want you to write down four things. That's the number one is the law. Number two, sin is on the screen if you haven't put them down. Number, we're going to show you that God took these away. He took the law away. He took sin away. He took death away. And then he also, the last one you should have is Satan. Satan number four. Don't forget to put number four up there. 
Because you got church folks right now, they're just as scared of the devil they can be. Now, I did not say they are not demons. But there was a devil. The leader of the, of the devils. Now, when God gave you that, he gave you that through David and Goliath. If you really study David and Goliath, you will see what Christ did to the devil. So I want somebody to find me that. Uh, we'll give you that, oh, Sister Crump. You're going to find me what David did with Goliath when he cut his head off. I want you, well, we're going to show you. He took the, the Goliath's sword, cut Goliath's head off, wrapped his hair in his hand, and he went into Jerusalem with the head of Goliath. That's where you have the place of a skull where Jesus was born is where he threw Goliath's head. That's why they call it the place of a skull. So you have to understand, that's why they call it Golgotha, the place of a skull. It's because that's where they threw the skulls at. When people was crucified on the cross, they took their body down and threw them in the pit. That's what they was planning on doing with our Lord. But they didn't realize before he died, he said something. No man taking my life. I got power to lay it down, and I got power to take it up again. So they were going, oh, yeah, we, when we crucify you, we're going to break your bone, we're going to throw you over that pit. See, they, they, that's what they thought. But when they came that morning, he had already risen. Amen. Somebody give him praise in this place. Hallelujah. Then he told them that he could not see corruption. You got to understand, that's an awesome thing that you die, but your body can't stay dead long enough to see corruption. I'm a pastor. You see corruption when you fall, when you get to the uh, number four, corruption, four days. When the body gets four days old, it begins to break loose. That's corruption. It begins to dissolve. Being nice and pretty, it rots. And then yet people tell you God going to come to the grave and get your body. See, you better listen. As a matter of fact, God gave you victory through Jesus Christ, death, being and resurrection, that your soul would never see death. Look at somebody and tell them that. They say, your soul would never see death. Here's another thing. Your soul would never see the devil. Because death, hell, the devil, all of them is in the same place. I'm going to show you. God had a lake of fire. Put them all in the lake of fire. All the false prophets, that's where they're going. All right, I'm, I'm going to show you. We, we're going to show you today. But we're going to show you number one is the law. Okay, now, uh, let's, she got that on the screen. Let's go to that right now. Uh, that's 1 Kings. Uh, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 17. 1 7, what, 40? 48. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17, 48. Okay, we're going to read that down to verse 54. 1 Samuel. We're going to give you a chance to find it. We know some of you haven't, uh, haven't found Samuel, you know. And make sure they're not a new covenant. Now, don't let the sister and brother be doing that. It's in the old covenant. All right. So if you, you know it got to be before king because you could not have king without a Samuel. Okay, so, y'all do know what I said, right? All right, so you back before the kings. All right, 1 Samuel 17, what verse? And verse 48. 1 Samuel 17, we'll read verse 48, and we'll read that to 54. 
Okay, we'll read that to verse 54. Kind of give you a good idea. You can read the rest of your later on yourself when you get home. It came to pass when the Philistines, are you there yet? All right, it came to pass when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Now, this was Goliath. He ran to meet Goliath. So all this other stuff where they showing you how he got a little rock and he down here. No, no, no. When David got that rock, he said, I'm coming at you, boy. <laughs> so that's why Blue Goliath away when he saw a little kid running at him with a slingshot. But he didn't realize his God was going to take him down. David put in his hand a bag and he took their stone. He reached in his hand, got, got a stone. And he slung it and he smoked the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Now that's an awesome thing to know how that happened. When he hit him, he fell forward just like, you know, boom. That's probably the earthquake too. <laughs> and the Bible said, so David prevailed over against the Philistine. Now this is a type and shadow over when Christ defeated the devil. All right, this is what happened. So David prevailed over against the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. Remember, slew him, now he's going to cut his head off. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Now, Goliath's dead. What am I going to do with him? The Philistine, therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath, therefore, and slew him, cut off his head. Therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they ran. They fled. And the men of Israel and all Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistine until you came to the valley and to the gate of Ekron. And the, and the wounded of the Philistine fell down by the way of Sharon, even unto Gath, even unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistine and they spoiled their tents. David took the head of Goliath, the head of the Philistine, brought it into Jerusalem. He put it in his armor in the tent. Now, now watch this. He took the head of the Philistine, brought this head to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his tent, which is his sword, his armor. He took, kept that. When Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, Whose son is this youth? Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son this stripling, he called him a stripling is. Now, when they returned from the slaughter, Abner took him, brought him him in before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. The boy still got the head of the, he a bad boy. Somebody said David was a bad man. Yes, sir. I'm talking about in a good sense now. And David said, this, David, Saul said to him, whose son are you? Young man, whose son are you? David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. He had cut the man's head off, still walking around with the head in his hand. I mean, this, I got it. I got it. Because they, everybody was scared of him. That was Goliath. Goliath was a type of Satan himself. Now remember, there was still Philistine in their army, but Goliath was gone. That's Satan. That's when I get to that, I'm going to show you that, okay? All right. Now, don't forget I showed you that. But let's go back to, to the word, the law first. Let's go back and show you the law first. 
All right, I'm, I'm giving you these four. He, they abo he abolished sin. Now, let's go to, let's go show you that first. Exodus 24, 12. Because he, the law, he will buy us the law. Exodus 24, 12, I want to show you that first. And from there, I'm going to go to Romans 3, 19. From there, I'm going to go to Exodus 25, 8, 9. So if you're keeping notes. First, Exodus 25, 24, 12. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, now watch what God gave the law to. The Lord said to Moses, come up into the mountain and be there. And I will give you tables of stone and a law and commandments, which I have written, that thou mayest teach them, talking about to Israel. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua, and they went up into the Mount of God. Well, God gave him a law. All right, now let's go to Exodus 25 while you're in Exodus. And verse 8 and 9, Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9. See, God gave the law to Moses, but let's show you what he gave to Moses. Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9. And Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9. Are you there? And let them make me a sanctuary. So the first thing God's going to do when, he, when Moses come up to before God, God's going to give him a table of the law, but he's going to have to have someone to keep it. So he's going to tell Moses, let them make me a sanctuary. Now, what, why did God make a sanctuary in the beginning? That I may dwell among them. So we see God's purpose. God's purpose is not to get you saved so you can go to heaven. That's the opposite. God wants heaven to be in you so he can move here. See, he can't move into hell. That's how you were before you were saved. So God got to save you so he can come live in you. Now he will be in heaven. See, that's when, when somebody don't want God, you don't want God to live in you. So you will die and go to hell. Literally. But what God does when he saved us, the reason he saved us, because he wants to come here and live here. Amen. See, when God, created, when God created Adam, he created Adam so he can come into the earth realm and live in Adam to rule and reign in the earth realm. That's his whole plan. So he can rule and reign over everything he created. So his plan is not save you and get you out of here. <laughs> you know, let's get him out, let's get him out. Take him up there beyond the stars out the way. No, 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 no. God wanted you here so he can come here. God can't come in this earth without a body. So when God created all of us, he created all of us to live in us so he can live here. Do you understand that? That's why when you abuse your body, it's against God. Because what you're doing, you're trying to end the plan of God. God is to keep you here a long time so he can live in this earth as long as you're here. Now, when you die, your soul will be in the presence of the Lord for eternity with the Lord. But he wants to be here because how is he going to get the unbelievers saved? If he doesn't be in you, in your house. So he move in your house, then he gets a chance to live in your house every day, and through you he can get the person saved that's not saved. Amen. That's his whole plan. Amen. But if you don't know the word, then how are you going to get him saved? How are you going to get you saved? How are you going to get the people saved in your house if you don't know the word? Because they start asking you questions, you don't know. 
You don't know what to tell them. Well, call my pastor. That's not what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to answer that question. But you don't know the word. That's why you need to come to church so you can be taught the word. If you don't, who's following you? What are you leading them to? Okay. Now, so, Paul, so Moses in Exodus 20, 25 and 8, and, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That's God's purpose. According to all that I will show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even shall you make it. Now, the very next verse shows you the first thing that God made in verse 10, which is the next verse. The first thing that God made was an ark so he can put the word in. So the purpose of the ark is so he can put the word. That's, the, that's verse number 10. And they shall make an ark of shittin wood, two cubits and a half shall you make it. It told them the size of it, but it was so Moses would be able to put the Ten Commandments in. They kept that in the ark. And then you're going to find out later on they're going to put two more things in the ark, which is going to be an Aaron rod that budded. How many know the other one? Showbread. Thank you. They're going to put three things in the ark. The showbread... Aaron rod that budded, and the, the pot of manna, they're going to put that in there, and also the Ark of the Testament, because they represent three things, the way, the truth, and the life. Right, so that's all Christ's death, burial, resurrection. So that's why Aaron rod represents his resurrection. So that's why those things are going to be put up. All right, now let's move on. Now, Let's go to Romans 3.19. Let me show you one verse there before I move on. In Romans 3.19, then I'm going to go to Romans 5.12-21. We're showing you first he took away the law. You have to know what the law was for, then he's going to take it away. So in Romans 3.19, I showed you he gave the law to Israel. Now watch what Romans 3.19 told you about the Apostle Paul. He said, now we know that whatsoever thing the law saith, it says to them which are under the law. See, you are not under the law. Look at somebody in here and say, you're not under the law. <laughs> right, now we know there are churches who think they're under the law, and they have church on Saturday, and they call themselves, they, they tell me that I'm not keeping the law. You know, it's, you, know you, you, you kind of wonder how somebody can be that big a fool to got the Bible themselves to read and let somebody tell you that you got to keep the law to be saved. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 19. Now we know that whatsoever thing the law says, it says to them which are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and every soul may become guilty before God and all the world may become guilty before God. That was, that's for the law. But Romans 6, 14 told you that you are not under the law. I don't know why people can't hear the word. Just turn on uh, on your YouTube or go on our Door of Faith uh, podcast or whatever, you'll be able to get all these teachings. Amen? Amen? All right. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're not on the law, but you're on the grace. So sin cannot rule over you. That's once you came on the grace, sin has no more power over you. See, you need to look at your life and see. See, I'm a, I told you, sin is called the power of the devil. Remember I told you that? Amen. 
Y'all forget already. All right. Now, we'll get to it later. I told you to write it down. The power of the devil is sin. All right. Now, let's go to Romans 5, 12 through 21. We're going to show you first. We, we're dealing with sin now. We're showing you all these things. We're going to show you sin, law, death, the devil. Those are the things God took away. Now, let's go to Romans 5, 12 through 21. You want, if you're keeping notes, you want to write beside how did sin come? That's what that's going to teach you. That's why you have Romans chapter 5. He told you how sin got here. And then he's going to show you chapter 6, 7, and then chapter 8. That's why you see those chapters together. Well, I'm going to show you that God got rid of sin in chapter 6. He got rid of the law in chapter 7. And no condemnation in chapter 8. So you have to know this is Paul giving us what happened to him. Wherefore, as by one man, he tell you how sin got here. By one man. That one man is Adam. Sin entered into the world. Now, he's not talking about entering into the planet Earth. He's talking about a man's heart. Sin entered into Adam and Eve's heart. And then after that, death by sin. See, first God gave the law. You need to write these down. The order is first God gave them the law. Then second, sin because they broke the law. The aid of the tree are neither good and evil. Now, sin. Third, death. And after that, the power was given to the devil. That's how the devil got the power. So when Jesus came in his ministry in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, Jesus, the devil said to Jesus, all this power, so my family that I show them to you, all this power will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. So how did he get the power? And what was he talking about? So he told Jesus, I give you this power, you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus told him, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall I serve. Matthew 14. Right. So that's what he did. He promised Jesus the power, just like he does to everybody else. Wherefore, as by one man, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Well, sin entered into Adam and Eve's heart. And then after that, death. Because remember he said that when you eat thereof, you're going to surely die. Then death came by sin. So now death passed upon all men, and God saw all men now have sin through Adam. For unto the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come, which is Christ. But not as offense, also the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more, much more, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ. He's telling you how it all happened. This is a teaching minister. A teaching minister tells people, what we have here, what we don't have. Until you do that, they don't know. And have abounded to many. Somebody say amen. amen. And not as it were by one that sinned, so also the gift. For the judgment was by one man to condemnation. So watch what happened when Adam, what Adam did. Adam brought condemnation. One man to condemnation. But the free gift of many offenses 
on the justification. So Christ justified man where Adam brought you condemnation. You only have two men, that's Adam and Christ. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one man, much more they which receive abundance of grace. This is how you say You got to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You got to receive what? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You're going to reign in life by one man, Jesus Christ. But you can't reign without righteousness and grace. Then he says the next verse, therefore as by the offense, the word offense means sin, as the sin of one man, judgment came. When Adam ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, judgment came upon all men. To condemnation. That's why every man was condemned. That's why Romans 8 and 1 said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them in Christ. Even so, by the righteousness of one man, you wouldn't say because what you did. It was the righteousness of one man. You did not become a sinner because of what you did. You became a sinner because one man ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and brought you into condemnation. Then the new man brought you into righteousness. He justified us. Therefore, as by one, about the offense of one man, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came. So eternal life is a free gift. Your salvation is a free gift. But if I tell you you got to be water baptized to get it, it ain't free no more. See, that's what people do in selling the gospel. You're not, you don't want to make the gospel charge. You can only receive Christ. I'm going to show you that in Deuteronomy when I get there. Deuteronomy 30, I think it is. You have to choose life. I think of Deuteronomy 30, 19, something like that. All right? Therefore, as by one man, judgment came upon all to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one man, the free gift came upon all to justification of life. Then it said, as by one man's disobedience, Adam, when he ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he disobeyed God. One man disobedient, many were made sinners. Man was made sinners because of Adam eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But Jesus obeyed the Father, even to the death of the cross. So by one man obedient, Jesus Christ, we were made righteous. So God came and reversed the process. More of the law entered that the offense might abound, that sin might abound. So God gave the law so sin could abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Somebody give him praise for that. Now, how many know what sin abounded? I know, I know you I asked you to clap, but do you know what sin abounded? In the heart, in the soul of man. Sin abounded in man's heart. Sin was great, but grace was greater. So you have to understand that God had to use his righteousness to get rid of your sin. See, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He had to use, your, use his righteousness. There was nothing else could get rid of sin. See, Satan had used that power of sin against all men all the way to Christ. That's why he tempted Christ in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Because if he got him to, to, to break the law, then he, he, would, he would have something on him otherwise. And he could not have freed mankind. See, the only way he could free you, he had to have no sin. 
That's how Adam. See, Adam ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Otherwise, he listened to Satan and he received an evil spirit. See, for he had made him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him to be sin for us. Christ was made sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So it was just an exchange. You receive God's righteousness, he received our sin. We became righteous, he was made to be sin. Now he took the sin and he's going to take it to the cross, which he did, called the body of sin. We're going to see that a little later, called the body of sin. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now that's how sin came. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is how my wife reads this every Sunday, because this is how God got rid of sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, is how God got rid of sin. So I'm giving you the whole, whole layout, how it came, Romans chapter 5. How did God get rid of it? So now God's going to get rid of sin in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 1 through 4. See, people don't think God got rid of sin, so that's why it's all, well, y'all still got sin just like everybody else. No, no. The only difference between me and you is Christ died for my sins. See, here we go. More Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, Paul said, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. He didn't tell you getting saved, going to get saved. No, Christ died and saved you. Now, whether you come receive that and choose that, that's up to you. Make sure you check it out. Deuteronomy 30 19, make sure it's choose life. It's that by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory, you got to keep in memory. But if you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Otherwise, you can believe the wrong message. You can go to church all your life and believe a lie. It's not going to be God's fault. You believe in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also receive. Here it is. I deliver you, first of all, that which I received, Paul says. What was it, Paul? How Christ died for our sins. He's telling you how you were saved. Christ died for your sins. Say it with me. Christ died for my sin. Personally, say it myself. Uh, I, I, if you can't say it, you don't want to be saved. See, God can't help you. If you don't receive it, God can't help you. See, you can sit there and go, it's okay with me. When you die, you're going to hell. You're going, it's okay. That, that's, that's, that's your right. But you can't say I didn't tell you. Was that Deuteronomy 31, 19 I asked for? Deuteronomy 30? I said that the one I asked for would choose life. 15 through 19, right? Okay, let's go 30, 15. Hold, hold right there. Look, go back to 15, will you? See, life is what you got to choose. See, this is the same thing happened to Adam and Eve. You can't blame Adam and Eve. Now, you got the same choice. You can sit up in here and you can choose religion or you can choose to be who you want to be, choose anything you want. That's up your choice. But if you don't choose Christ, you won't choose life. And when you die, your soul is going to hell with the devil. It ain't going to be no such thing as, oh, I don't want to go now, I changed my mind. You dead. No changing no mind once you're dead. You going to hell where the devil at? You want the devil? See, right now, that's what salvation is. 
You choose life or you choose death. You choose good or you choose evil. When you choose evil, you chose the devil. That's your choice. That's why I tell people, it's okay, just go right ahead. My job is to tell you the truth. I have children, I have grandchildren, I have great-grandchildren. I tell all of them the same thing. I'm praying for you, but this is how you say it. You have to make your choice. Now, you can sit here and choose the devil if you want to. When you die, you're going to go to hell with the devil. Because your soul is going to live forever. Somewhere. Either with the Lord or with the devil. Ain't no such thing as, I, I, I don't want to be here no more. I changed my mind. If I change your mind now, you got all this time to change your mind. Because when you, when you reject Christ, you're rejecting God's son. God takes that personally. God gave his son to Israel. Israel rejected his son. Today, they still reject his son. They reject the cross. They reject his son. You go make the same mistake, that's going to be your fault. Let's put it on the screen. It says, Deuteronomy 30, 15. Watch what, Moses, watch what Joshua said to them. See? See again. Do you see? I have set before you this day. That's all I can do. I don't make you do nothing. I tell my children the same thing. You want God? God will bless you. You have life. You have blessings. You have, but if you don't want the devil, you're going to have curses. You can go out there and live for the devil. For long, something's going to show up. And you're going to be like, Lord, no, what the Lord told you, this is what you want blessing, you got to follow him. You want curses, you follow the devil. Same thing happened Adam and Eve in the garden. had not changed. Deuteronomy 39, 30, 15 says, he said, I, I have set before you this day, watch this, life and good. The word good is God. If you choose God, you're going to have life. Then it's death and the devil. See, that's all it is, death and the devil. If you choose the devil, you're going to have death. Some way, somehow, death going to find you. Because death is a spirit also. And people do not understand, when the spirit of death come on you, you better have Christ in that house. Because he's the only one that cannot let death in that house. If you got God and you got Christ in the house, the devil can't have it. It's not his house no more. So the devil, if, if it's a devil house and the devil live in the house, death is in the house and sin is in the house. He rules that house. This is not a game. He said, in that I command you this day to love the Lord thy God. Now he's going to go through all of that telling him because that was a law. So let's go down to verse 19. I think that's what I want. Go down to verse 19 because he says, now I call, watch Joshua did that. He said, watch this. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you because I'm telling you. I have set before you life and death. I have set before you blessings and cursings. Choose you this day. Yes, yes. That's what he told him in Joshua 24, 15. He says, 
We'll go to that next. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. Come on, look at somebody and say, make the right choice. That you got to make the right choice because you choose death, you choose the devil. And the devil will live in your house and the devil will rule your house and the devil will control you and run you out of your head. You about to go back and look at them, them, them swine. They ran vilely down into the field once that devil went in them. And see, people don't know why they do things what they do. You got a devil. If you're doing evil, living evil, have evil passion, evil desire, you got some evil spirit need to be out of you. Now, you can sit around and holler about pastor, mean pastor. No, pastor, pastor, ain't no mean pastor. Pastor will tell you the truth. I ain't gonna water that. Jesus said, the devil cometh and he hath nothing in me. I lived the life of the world before I was saved. And I came to the conclusion that some things I did were not right is because of the spirit that was in me. And when I got saved, God delivered me of the spirits that was in me. When you get saved, God gets the spirits of the devil out of you. All I can do is tell you. So you, you let spirits come in the house because of choices you make. So if you don't want that stuff, stop choosing it. He told them, I have, I call heaven and earth against you to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, therefore choose life. It's not hard, just choose life that you, watch what happened, that both you and your seed may live. It ain't gonna be just for you. The children, a lot of them in the, in the situation they're in is because of mama, daddy not choosing life. You got to understand something. You, you, you have to be an overseer of your children. The way you live, you are saying to the devil, you're not mine. You can't have my children. I'm going to live for the Lord. You can't, you can't cover, you can't cover nobody when you uncovered. Get covered yourself. Make sure the Lord has covered your soul. Then you can help somebody. All right, now let's, let's move. I just want to show you that. Now, uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians. We gave you that 2 Corinthians 5, 5, 21. God gave us his righteousness. Now, I gave you Romans 5, 18, 19, the obedience of one man. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50 to 58. Finally made it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 to 58. We're going to show you in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 through verse 58. Now most people read this at a funeral because they think that at a funeral you're trying to tell people how to, how to, how to be saved. This ain't no funeral here. It's telling you how you were saved and what happened when you got saved. This is what it's telling you. When you got saved, God is telling you what happened when you got saved. All right, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50. Are you there? All right, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. He said, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit in corruption. He's telling you, your physical can't get this. Flesh and blood not going to be able to do this. Then he shows you in verse 51, behold, I show you a mystery. Now remember, Paul was a, pa- a man of God who reveals mystery. 
That's how he got his message. So he's now getting ready to show them the mystery. In verse number 51, I show you a mystery. We should not all sleep. Now remember, he's showing them the mystery. We should not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He, he's trying to let you know the word sleep there means we're not all going to die, because when the Lord comes by, some of us are going to be alive. All right, we know we learned that in Thessalonica, right? We should not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This is how we change. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, then he's going to tell you, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ going to rise first. We're going to be changed. Going to be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The dead going to be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed. For this corruption, so this corruptible, this is how you change. This corruptible must put on incorruption. He's talking about your soul. Your soul got to put on incorruption. Now, in the Word of God, I tell you there's only one person incorruptible in the Bible, and that's Christ. So your soul got to put on incorruption. And then your mortal, your soul, got to put on immortality, which is Christ. So then, when your soul has put on incorruption, and then when your soul has put on immortality, this shall be brought to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now he's going to tell you once you get saved, death is swallowed up in victory. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody said death, death is swallowed up in victory. All right, now we're going we're gonna to move on. Then he's going to tell you in verse number uh, 55, death is swallowed up in victory. Said death, death is swallowed up in victory. All right. Now in verse number 55, see my, mouth, my mic is very sensitive, picks up everything. That's why we have a children's section behind for TVs. One of these days we're going to realize that I won't have the first today. I'm cool, ain't it? I'm cool. I'm being cool. Amen. Verse 55. Say, so, oh death, where's your sting? Now the word sting means power. So he's he going to tell you what, what death power is. Oh death, where's your power? Then he said, oh grave, where's your victory? So watch what happens. See, you got people telling you, oh yeah, we're going to put you in the ground out there and the Lord going to come by and get you. Wait a minute. The Bible said grave, where's your victory? Do you hear what he's saying? Where's your victory? Death, grave ain't got no victory neither. In verse number 56, the sting of death. The word sting means power. The power of death is sin. Now what I want to do is, I want, I know my TV got to be rewired there. That's why it's acting up today. But we're going to use your television. So we're going to take the Good News Bible and we're going to do that 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to go back to verse 50. I'm going to do this and I'm going to close out. In 1 Corinthians 15. And then we're going to show you because it said 56, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. So we're going to show you what that means. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Just, just, use it, just go to it and I'm going to read it from here with you. Or the good news Bible. Okay. What I mean, friend, is that what is made of flesh and blood cannot share in God's kingdom. What is mortal cannot possess immortality. Now, what's mortal? Right. So you can't, only thing can possess mort, immortality is the soul. Your natural dirt can't possess mortality. All right. Now, what story in the Bible did God give us that showed us that Abraham had two sons? 
One was a natural son, one was a spiritual son. And God wanted the natural son to reign before God and get the inheritance and the blessings, and God rejected him. Amen. Amen? So that's what was happening here. Let's go to the next. What I mean, friends, is that what is made flesh and blood cannot share in God's kingdom in Christ, in God's kingdom. And what is mortal cannot possess immortality. All right? Now he goes into, he's now listen to this secret, too. We shall not all die, but, we, but when the last trump sound. Now, the last trump was Paul. So you get the book of Revelation, you know Paul was the last trump. The word trump means he preached the gospel. Trump don't mean you out here, that people say, what's even the trump sound? They waiting for the Lord to step out now and go, like they can get him and say, there he is. <laughs> Man, they ain't, I'm, pre, I'm blowing trumpets right now. They said, listen to the secret, we shall not all die, but we shall, when the trump sound, which was Paul, we shall all be changed in a moment, in an instant, as quickly as the blinking of an eye. He's talking about when he preached the gospel. He says, uh, when the trumpet sound, verse 52, the dead will be raised. Now, this is what happened when the gospel is preached. It's the power of God. The power is to raise the dead so you never die again. And we shall all be changed. See, that's what happened when the gospel is preached. For what is mortal must be changed into what is immortal. Now, that's your soul. So your soul is changed into spirit. What? I just need to just take off and up there. All right. What is mortal must be changed into what is immortal. And what will die, now you're talking about the soul, because the soul is the only one who will die. The soul must be changed into what cannot die, which is spirit. All right, let's keep going. So then, this takes place, and the martyr has been changed into immortal, and then the scripture will come true. Death is destroyed. Victory is complete. So death is destroyed. So death is destroyed. And victory is complete. All right. Now, what did, what did he tell you have victory over? Let me show it to you to King James. See, watch this. When death is, where, watch, where death is your victory. Now, watch, we, when I go back, he's going to tell you what the word victory is in there. Where the victory is. So you got to be watched it. Where's your victory? Death, where death, where death is your power to hurt. Death gets its power to hurt from sin. So if you go back over here, how did sin get its power? All you got to do is go tell me how it started out. First, God gave man the law. Then, after he ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, now sin into the world into his heart, right? And then after that, death came by sin, right? Then after death came the grave, and then he destroyed the devil. So that's why. But you have victory. That's why I'm actually there that you see what the victory was. So where death is your victory? Where's your victory? Where death is your power to hurt? Death gets its power from sin. Sin gets its power from the law. So you have to see the three. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to go back and put the King James up there and look at verse number 56, 57. Just those two verses. Then I want you to tell me where was the victory. Watch what it says. The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who has given us what? Victory. He gave us the victory, but back up. Let's see where was the victory. 
back up to verse 54, I think it was 55, those two verses. He's going to say something. This corruptible is put on it. Uh-huh. So this corruptible is put on incorruption. This mortal is put on immortality. So when this corruption is put on incorruption, this mortal is put on immortality, then we'll be brought to the path of saying that's written, death is swallowed up in what? Wait, wait a minute. I told you. Man, I'm crying not to tell you. Death, it said death, death. is swallowed up in victory. Now watch what he says. Oh, death, where's your power? Remember, death is swallowed up in victory. So you got to read that like the man didn't have to go to the ground because God gave him the victory. See, death is swallowed up in victory. You got to understand, Christ is victory. Death is swallowed up in Christ. See, you look at the word victory, you got to understand Christ is the victory. He's the one give us the victory. He is, the, he is our victory. So death is swallowed up in victory. But who is, who is victory? Right. So death is swallowed. Now let's read it that way. Back, back that verse up. And you will see. So when this corruptible had put on incorruption, this mortal put on immortality, then shall be brought the path of saying, death is swallowed up in victory. That word victory is Christ. You got to understand who your victory is. Oh, death, where's your power? See, oh, grave, where's your victory? Watch this. Grave, where's your victory? Now, that's not what they told you at the funeral. They said, we're going to put him in the ground. And then when the Lord comes, hey, Lord. And then he's going to go. You got you over here just really rock. That, ain't nobody going no ground if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're not going in the ground. I don't know why that's so... You, listen, listen. Second Corinthians 5. My time. Check my. Somebody help me. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. You're not going. I'm trying to tell you. Now you can go, go in the ground, and you can go on in the ground and go on with your preacher. Go on in the ground. But I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to go in the ground. Second Corinthians 5, 1. Now come on, read with me. For, for, for we know what? If I can just get y'all to read one thing together. Come on, let's see together. Let's see. Here we go. Nine, eight, seven, six, five. Come on. For we know that if our earthly house. Come on. One, two, three. Come on, do this here. One, two, three. All right. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle of this hour. So he's talking about this guy here, right? If that thing let me down, I have a building of God. I got a house not made with hands and it's not, it's not in the ground. They keep telling you you're going to go back. You're not, your house is not in the ground. Where's your house? It's eternal in the heaven. It's in the turn in the heaven, right? In this we've grown honestly designed to be closed up on with our house which is in heaven. How many know that's Christ? All right, verse number three says, if so, being clothed, we should not be found naked. My soul got a place to live. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for we be, be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality may be swallowed up of life. So God swallows my soul up with, come on, say it. God swallows my soul up with, so what God did, he put your soul in life. That's Christ. That's where your soul is. No death can get to your soul no more. No death, no sin. No, nothing ever can get to your soul again 
Once you're in Christ, my time is up. I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.